0: In 1984, Alex Cox made the movie Repo Man. The story of the film revolves around a 1964 Chevy Malibu and something hidden in its trunk. In 2017, Alex Cox published the book I Am Not a Number, Decoding the Prisoner, his analysis of the 1967 television series The Prisoner The plot of The Prisoner revolves around a mysterious coterie of intelligence community-type people who are trying to make a former secret agent reveal why he retired. For the audience, there are more pressing questions. Who is this secret agent guy in the first place? Why won't he just say why he retired, and why does anybody care? All of these questions exist primarily to be dangled in front of the viewer. The answers are not hidden in a show bible on a dusty shelf in the basement of the former Associated Television headquarters in Borehamwood. It is likely that for certain of these questions, creator and star Patrick McGowan never decided on any answers, and anyone attempting to pin down these answers after the fact, attempting to reconstruct a posited authorial intent, would be chasing after a ghost. Dissecting the show episode-by-episode, Cox builds a case for a straightforward and surprisingly mundane backstory for the prisoner, grounding his theory in historical context and accounting for the various hints provided by the show if you grant that they are hints in a fairly satisfying way. He derives his strongest evidence from the last few episodes, but when discussing the earlier parts, he has lots of interesting stories about the production and initial airing of the show. I really like the book. Is his theory correct? Can it be correct? Does it matter? One school of thought puts all the power of meaning creation into the hands of the author. The author begins by intending something, and if our interpretation of the work matches the author's intent, then we are correct, and we win a prize. To the extent that our interpretation deviates from the author's intent, our interpretation has failed, and we are wrong. If the author failed to intend something, if J.J. Abrams never decided what the island actually is, then there is no correct interpretation, there is no prize, and the work is meaningless. Another school of thought announces that the author is dead. The work must stand on its own, and the burden slash privilege of extracting meaning from the work rests entirely on the shoulders of the audience slash critic. Are the prizes for interpretation in this paradigm always self-awarded, or has the burden slash privilege of awarding prizes been placed on the shoulders of the critical establishment? This podcaster proposes a third approach. I put it to you that the author and the audience are both alive, and that all parties are involved in the process of meaning creation, sometimes alone, sometimes in cooperation. I put it to you that intent is valid, that correctness is valid, that your personal reaction is valid, and that reading through the lens of whatever framework or ideology will get you published is valid. The prize, I put it to you, is learning something, or saying something, or understanding someone else's perspective, or realizing what your own perspective is, or getting published. And this is the third strongest podcast. The, the next part of the game. You guys, you were just telling me what we, where we left off. I we was, went to Saturn Valley. I was trying yeah? not
1: to tell you. I was trying to make you sweat it. But Sarah's polite and sad, I think. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we went to Saturn Valley. That's where uh, Ness said we had to go next.
1: That's true. So there's a bunch of stuff here that was not here before. Uh, there's a bunch of characters that we'll, we're, we're going to probably talk about here. There's also a Mr. Saturn or somebody who mentions that there are new items in the shop. So I want to talk about that before we get uh, railroaded into the rest of the episode
0: sure the way this happened for me was i tried to go to the shop before i talked to anybody else i talked to the two shopkeepers and they both had the same old stuff uh then dr andonets said hey the mr Sanders have new stuff and so i was wondering if that triggered hmm. the change uh, but then when I g- went back to the shop, I noticed that the, the new items were actually with a third Mr. Saturn who's walking around like the back of the shop, who possibly I just ignored the first time mm. around. That is possible. Uh, what do you want to say about the new shop?
1: They sell pendants. Uh, which pendant? I don't remember. Uh, Earth pendants? No, that was in. I think Michigan. it's it's There's... fire
0: pendant, uh, sea pendant, night pendant. Right. Maybe
1: it's the, the, the trilogy of pendants. Yeah. Uh, they also sell piggy jelly.
0: Yeah. Which is a
1: cute name for something to eat.
0: Cute is one word. It's cute and gross at the same time.
2: Yeah. Just like this game.
0: That's yeah. so cute.
1: <laughs> it's cute in a way that like a child would or it's it's gross in a way that it would appeal to a child.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, I, I would say that it's grosser than a peanut cheese bar. <laughs> yeah. But it's its further along that trajectory. Hmm. Do we know what Piggy Jelly looks like? Has there been any?
1: Uh, uh, Wikibound has it.
0: Okay. Uh, Google results for Piggy Jelly are showing me a bunch of those deranged videos for kids on YouTube. You know, how it, YouTube creators, it's, some diseased person out there figured out that you can make just really strange, upsetting videos that kids will watch over and over again. Mm-hmm. And Piggy is, is a character who uh, is uh, trying to hunt down and kill Roblox guy.
1: Wow. I hope he gets him. Uh piggy jelly is piggy yokan which is a Japanese confection made of re- red bean paste, agar and sugar. It is usually sold in a solid block form and eaten in slices. This looks really tasty. I would eat this. Huh.
0: What's it called? Rogan yokan. Yokan. Oh yeah. But this version is piggy.
1: Yeah. It looks like well, the- a pig snout. Yeah, that's very whimsical. Uh, the,
0: yeah, the art is like it they extruded this pig snout out of a candy machine. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: cute. See? Cute. And also kind of yeah. gross. Yeah. Just a little gross. So we should probably go talk to all the massive gaggle of NPCs that are taking up a bunch of room in the middle of Saturn Valley now. That make it hard to teleport yes. out a little bit. Mm. Uh, the Good Doctor is here. Apple Kid is here. And Gerardo Montague is here. That was a surprise. And we're
0: sure it's Gerardo, right?
1: I had to double check. It is Gerardo. Yeah.
0: Thank you. The, uh, he's just back.
1: The main brother, I guess? He's the Mario yeah, yeah. in this <laughs> situation?
0: The more proactive brother. Mm. The, the, the other guy is a sidekick.
1: The other guy is way Luigi-coded.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Whereas Gerardo's not necessarily Mario-coded, but he's Mario by proxy. <laughs>
0: And he does have, I don't know, the Mr. Saturns apparently are very good engineers. We kind of believe this because Dr. andonets tells us so. And Dr. andonets obviously is a great inventor. Applegate obviously is a great inventor. And Gerardo is just enough of an industrial guy to mm-hmm. qualify for this project, I guess.
1: Hmm.
0: It does seem like they're kind of stretching for if we're going to bring together a team of science geniuses at the end of the game, we don't have a lot of Mm. characters to use. Orange kid
1: is at home staring at his phone waiting.
2: (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's good to have some representation from different areas and different uh, disciplines.
0: That's true. Possibly Gerardo with his understanding of whatever that guy does is able to bring something to the table that nobody else i feel like and i i
1: feel like i remember uh, something that i didn't look into at all but i feel like people would use gerardo's presence here as evidence that he's related to ness and is like possibly Mm -hmm. his dad
0: could you repeat that you broke up
1: Gerardo, what if he's Ness's dad?
0: Oh. Oh, okay. Why does what? everyone want to know? That makes who as Ness's much sense dad, as anything but... else.
1: Because it's a mystery that the game Cause... refuses to solve. Yeah, he's he's someone else. He's just
2: someone else. Isn't oh, that enough? Well, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's enough for me. It's not enough for some people. Yeah. It's not enough. That's okay. <laughs> why it's not enough for the internet.
2: Inquisitive minds.
0: Well and there's a grand tradition of people's mysterious fathers having cool secret identities. I
2: suppose that's true.
0: And so it would it would not be ridiculous for Earthbound to enter into that tradition. Fair enough. And that's why people love these love to theorize and love to guess and love to draw bizarre connections. It is fine. I don't know, like, maybe the reason I react kind of lukewarm to Gerardo being Ness's father and get so excited about Everdred being Ness's father is, I think that if Everdred is Ness's father, then the game becomes much more interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if Gerardo is Ness's father, that's just confusing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm just
1: pointing out things that I remember people latching on to. Sure. Uh, I latch on to a Mr. Saturn over here who says, I think new things, difficult things from now. As if this yeah. is a Mr. Saturn who has obtained some kind of enlightenment. Ooh.
2: Yeah, they've if, had quite a As enough. if the...
0: Yeah, the the science geniuses visiting and, like, collaborating on the phase distorter has caused the Mr. Saturn's... As, smart as they are to like level up their own genius mm. they understand something new now
1: they can they use like cellular... how
0: useful it would be to have hands how to use
1: a cellular <laughs> telephone
0: <laughs> why do you say that zach
1: because it's a twin peaks reference ryan
0: oh
1: <laughs> i thought i was missing something in the game it's my turn to do a twin peaks reference on the podcast yeah, there's a... Th- the phase distorter is here. It's a big, vaguely Saturn-shaped device thing.
2: Yeah, they must have it's had input it- on that.
0: <laughs> to my mind, it doesn't really look like a vehicle. No. It doesn't have, for example, a door. Hmm. It has a swirl. And I noticed... um. I, I wasn't able to really establish how you get into it, because if you just walk up to it without talking to anybody, then you can't even interact with it. After you talk to, it seems like Apple Kid or Dr. Internet's, or possibly both, um, or maybe just one of them, and I didn't test this correctly, uh, after you talk to one of them, then you can't really walk away without being forced to enter the phase distorter. And... Nobody says, get in the phase disorder and go to the next part of the game. You just kind of become compelled to enter it after they describe what the phase disorder does. It's, it's strange. Hmm.
1: This thing feels very like 60s sci-fi.
0: Is what my 60s notes. sci-fi and not 50s? My notes say
1: 60s sci-fi. Huh but probably more 50s sci-fi because we're going to hit some stuff here, which is all very like,
0: I don't know. I guess I'm not. No, I, the the reason I ask is not because it strikes me as more 50s sci-fi, but because everything else in the game seems more informed by 50s stuff. And so if there is a 60s element to, and I, I, I see it now that I think about it, uh, for the face disorder to be more of a 60s thing is kind of off-brand for this game.
1: Just, I guess, the shapes of it? yeah and the effect we're gonna get in a little while Mm. um the warping effect feels very like more modern than maybe some of the other effects yeah something out of the prisoner Mm. is where my
0: brain is going
2: the relative future
1: uh it's here it doesn't work
0: yeah we get in it and it just fails and we come out as burnt up corpses (laughs) classic classic (laughs) And Dr. Andon says um, that <laughs> he, he has kind of a convoluted explanation of what needs to be done. It doesn't work. One thing is missing, but that one material cannot normally be found on the Earth. The material I'm thinking of came from a meteorite that fell when I was much younger. Have you seen a meteorite anywhere recently? No. Huh. So are we just going to wait for a meteorite to f- suddenly fall from the sky? Hmm, you haven't seen a meteorite. Hmm, think for a minute. <laughs> Have you seen a meteorite anywhere recently? Yes. Thank you. Eureka, that's it! With even just a piece of the meteorite, I can synthesize the material Zexnite. I doubt that your mortal enemy Gygus or whatever will allow you to go to Onet and get a piece of the meteorite. By now, Onet is in his evil hands. You must... Go, though, to, so, you must go, though, so take every possible precaution. The Mr. Saturns have introduced some of the new developments at the shop. Please check them out before you leave. I wonder what Onet is like at this point in time. So I guess the, the first part is not that convoluted, but, like, what, what stuck it out to me was, he says Onet is probably in Gygus's hands. Gygus won't let you get a piece of the meteorite that I only just now figured out that we mm. even want. Mm-hmm. And then he like doubles down. I wonder what Onet is like at this point in time, really, really ham-fistedly telling you that Onet has changed before you get a chance to go there.
2: I Normally, I would say this is the game saying, like telling you what you're supposed to do next. But in this case, I almost wonder if it's him being like, because he says like, when you go there, I wonder if you'll be able to get it. Um, so it's almost like he's trying to ask you to go there without asking you outright <laughs> to go get it. <laughs> but it's, it's also like, it's been a while in the game since the game like told you what to expect coming up. It, it feels like mm. the early game had a lot of like, telling you what was going on in the next town. And what to expect, and now yeah. this is sort of happening again.
0: It's happening again. That's right. Yeah, there's a lot of. Sarah got to make a Twin Peaks. Yeah, right. I didn't go. mean to.
2: <laughs> it's the game making the reference. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's like... a lot of a lot of like callbacks in this time this this time period of the game.
1: I like the name Zexonite. Yeah. Yes. Feels good to say. Very cool. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There's a piece of dialogue that somebody here tells us, I think it might be Apple Kid, that mentions that Pokey stole the prototype phase disorder. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or at least that's my notes have that here, which makes me think that that happens before we leave to go back to Onet.
2: Yeah, I think it does.
1: Uh, So we get more Pokey machinations here.
0: Yes. Um... The He's- prototype face disorder has been stolen. Someone resembling a pig wearing clothes took Mr. Saturn captive and stole the device. I like how in in Earthbound, like, we fans don't do this. We always say, uh, Mr. Saturn. But yeah. in Earthbound, they, they like, Mr. Saturn literally is the name of everybody there. They aren't the Mr. Saturns. Yes. They're just a bunch of guys named Mr. Saturn.
1: Yeah. All are Mr. Saturn. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's great. It's Uh, good.
0: I guess that's not true because he says the Mister Saturns are incredible folk. But my point stands. The part that isn't contradicted by the text, at least.
2: (laughs) Well, they do both, I guess.
0: The like it becomes more and more difficult to tell what what Pokey is doing and where Pokey is. Are we meant to understand that Pokey, like us, went down to the Lost Underworld via the whole in Tenda Village, even though that's covered up with a rock, and messed around in the Lost Underworld and then found his way back to Saturn Valley so he could steal the prototype phase distorter and go back to the cave?
1: I feel yeah. like there's I feel like there's nothing precluding these events happening in the opposite order. Where he went and stole the prototype from somewhere that we saw or we didn't see and then ended up down there. Oh. And we just got that story out of order. Okay. Mm. Okay. That oh, man. That makes more I don't know if that works. sense in my head. You yeah. could figure out a a, a storyline the other direction where he does just make two different trips to Lost Underworld. And if I were doing a ROM hack where you play as Pokey, that would be more fun. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> The problem is or at least let me let me say this out loud and we can find out whether I know what I'm talking all right, about. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> when we go to the Lost Underworld, there is a Tenda who mentions that Pokey was there. When we're in the cave of the past or we go to that cave in the Lost Underworld, are we able to see the broken face starter prototype?
2: Yeah. It's in okay. that ca- it's in there with the Mr. So- with Mr. Saturn who got kidnapped.
0: Then he already did steal the prototype at that point. Perfect. Wonderful. Everything makes sense. We solved it. Well, we should go get that
1: Zexonite,
0: probably. We should get the meteorite piece so that Dr. Andonuts can either synthesize or extract the Zexonite. They say different things at different times. Hmm. They are not really uh, honing in on the specific details of what the zexonite is at this point that's fine they're being a little bit sloppy it is the final hours of earthbound and the usual attention to detail is slipping
1: that's authentic in its own way
0: that's every video game and everything that's
1: every like bad sci-fi film where at the end they remember that oh yeah we have to manufacture selenium or whatever to defeat the swamp monster, even though they knew exactly. this a while back, and then what are they doing with that? It doesn't really matter. They're going to sprinkle something in the air, and it's going to magically defeat it.
0: And indeed, we will sprinkle something in the air, as we. I don't have a really segue. <laughs> We're in on Go it. Go to Onet. It's all now, dark here's and the spooky thing. again. It's I <laughs> used the power of save states and the rewind function of the switch to. Go to Onet right before I talk to Doctor Andonuts about this, and then right after I talk to Doctor Andonuts, and Geiges seizes the town of Onet literally while Doctor Andonuts is talking. Wow, you—I mean, I know it's a just a gameplay thing, but like the facts as they are kind of make the case that um, Geiges' guys are listening to Doctor Andonuts talk, and when he says. Oh yeah, you could. The thing we need is in that meteorite in mm. Onet. Uh, someone says to the guy guess, "Put all your guys in Onet."
2: It makes sense. Well, this is one of those times when everything is—it's—it's it's the callback moment yeah. where we come full circle back to your hometown, but this time, yeah. it's a challenge. It's more of a challenge. It's—it's it's psychologically taxing. Everything's darker and scarier. Nobody will come go out of their in homes. any of the buildings. Yeah. Scary. Yeah, it's unsettling.
1: And we get to make
0: this... It's the scouring of the Shire.
1: <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. But we get to make the same approach that we did. The, the the very first thing we did in the video game, we're doing again. Yeah. Where we have to get back to the top of that hill. Only now instead of wimpy little... But...
0: Oh, good. Before that, because we don't get teleported straight to... Yes. Um, ...our house. So it's it was really striking to me how they make the whole town obviously has the dark palette and the scary music but they don't have enemies spawn until you're kind of on the road that dirt road out of main part of town mm. up to where your house is mm. that's when it starts getting dangerous and then your house is the only one you can enter mm and it's scary inside your house yeah. the power is out and your uh your mom tells you how scary everything like it's it's actually upsetting yeah then yeah you get to do the same trip from the beginning of the game but with scarier enemies in some cases some really annoying enemies
1: yeah the the ghost of starman is here and will just first round uh star swarm you like every single fight yeah yeah it's obnoxious and when i did this paula was like the same speed as the ghost of starman so it was like a coin flip whether or not i could get the shield up in time Wow!
2: (laughs) and then ghost of starman often shows up with the mechanical octobot which steals your stuff so you're having to decide which one is worse i just personally don't like enemies that steal
0: (laughs) i don't like enemies that steal i don't like enemies that cast starstorm I don't like the evil eye, which I had completely forgotten about. (laughs) If you showed me that sprite a few days ago, I would have said, oh, yeah, that's an Earthbound Zero enemy. Hmm. Uh, But it uses paralysis omega and brain shock omega. Mm. And Zach, tell us the deal with paralysis and brain shock.
1: Well, paralysis paralyzes you and brain shock brain shocks you. Ah. Uh, yeah, brain shock but, is confused, paralyzes what it sounds like. Um, and if you get a real unlucky roll, all of your people are paralyzed. It sucks. Mm-hmm. That happened to me.
0: Well, hold on. What's up? There's, there's a m- secret mechanical thing. Um, or that I read about that I don't remember correctly and I'm not going to be able to find it now. But, um, items that give you, uh the The percentage of resistance to brain shock that uh, an item gives you is the inverse of the resistance that it gives you to paralysis. So something that gives you hundred percent resistance to paralysis leaves you entirely vulnerable to brain shock and vice versa hmm, huh. if I if the person that wrote whatever like game fact knows what they're talking about, this is the case at least. And so. Uh, Wait, that can't be right, because I got paral- paralyzed and brain-shocked. Jeez, okay. Well, I read something. Oh, maybe it's hypnosis versus brain shock. It's something like that. Anyway, mm-hmm. there's a secret mechanic in this game, and it means that the uh, Earth Pendant actually becomes a liability because it's protecting you entirely from X, but... That's not what the late game enemies are actually going to use mm. on you. I don't know. I'll figure that out later. <laughs> uh, We're not here to talk about brain shocking. No. What's the other enemy that's here? Those nuclear power robots?
1: Are they back? I think they're back. Oh, I thought. I think oh, they so. Are?
0: Or maybe they're just in the cave later on.
1: They might just be in the cave later on. I don't remember. Uh, There's I would- definitely
0: those octopus. There's um, wild and Willy shamblers.
1: Oh, yeah. They're cute. <laughs> uh,
0: those are some 50s style sci-fi dudes.
1: So I have to sidebar this because I want to ask, what is a ghost of Starman? That's a really good question. And by extension, what is a Starman? Uh-oh.
0: Well, I can explain what a Starman is. Okay, okay I'm ready to hear it. Starman is... Just a generic robot who's kind of shaped like a star. And they are the shock troops of Gygus' army. And even though they're a robot, sometimes they can die and come back in an even stronger form. As the ghost of Starman.
1: So you think robot? Yeah. Okay. Sarah, what do you think? Well.
2: I wonder now that I'm thinking about it, if, because if a Mr. Starman, if a Mr. Starman, if a Starman is a robot, a ghost of Starman could be some kind of non-corporeal robotic thing, like a hologram or something, some further form of a robot.
0: I like that. It's not literally a ghost. It's just a heart-like construct that is easier to call a ghost than to yeah. get into the details. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The
1: other like What
0: do you think they're not robots?
1: I, the other interpretation that I'm open to is that there are aliens inside of a suit.
0: Mm. Oh, okay. Cuz
1: it's mm-hmm. got like a visor and they would be completely encapsulated. Um,
2: yeah, that makes and sense.
1: They have some sort of form and that's just what you see because they need to wear this to survive on Earth's environment or whatever. Yeah.
2: I mean, wouldn't a star man be, like, an astronaut?
1: Yeah. Just uh, from I another tried to, place. I tried to find... There was some old sci-fi film I saw that had a suit that looked like this, and that's not enough information to Google to get a successful <laughs> answer. <laughs> <laughs> I also ended up Googling something else, because I was... I remembered that the Starmen speak... In katakana,
0: hmm. which oh cool
1: means, which is usually how they in in Japanese they will portray how robots talk. Mm. Uh, robots talk in katakana, but I was also like, I wonder if you were just speaking through like a vocoder, like a like a robotic voice, would that also just be rendered in katakana? Mm. I'm
0: like, I think katakana is used for a lot
1: of different. I'm like, does Darth yeah. Vader? Speak in Kanakana, Kana. and so I Googled, "Does Darth Vader speak in Kanakana?" Kana? and uh, found no useful information. <laughs> <laughs> but like in my head, like that also makes sense. That could be that
0: too. But... Hmm.
1: They're definitely implied to have uh, very like mechanical uh, voices, which we got from uh, Starman Deluxe yeah. earlier. Where he was...
0: Starman Deluxe definitely clicks in words while he's talking, yeah. which means like I-, I don't know if they if you do that with no other information then you are... We should assume that you're trying to depict a robot. Yeah. And I feel like nothing contradicts the idea that they are guys in suits. Yeah. But if they really wanted us to think that, I think they would give us more on that subject. Um, But it's it's hard to say. I guess they do look like suits.
2: I was just checking uh, Wikibound and... Apparently, the Earthbound Player's Guide description calls them robots. The regular Starman.
1: Ah. Okay. What if some of them are okay. robots and some of them are people?
2: <laughs> Maybe. And
1: They're some of them humanoids. are ghosts. Yeah. Maybe. Because they make robots out of humans, too, you know?
2: <laughs> what?
1: For- foreshadowing. <laughs> That's, I see. That's um, Okay, thank you for that sidebar okay we should get to the uh, meteorite
0: go to the meteorite um and there it says careful there's hot there or there's something shiny in there do you want to grab it and i was like no and it didn't say oh come on grab it it just let me go on playing yeah. the game <laughs> that's
2: interesting
0: but then i did grab it it's
2: just
1: checking so this meteorite is the vehicle that buzz buzz used to time travel here right apparently yeah why does that have zexanite then where did he get zexanite from if he's just like is he an alien or did uh, he like steal alien technology hmm
0: i was thinking that about that meteorite is the phase distorter it's a bootstrap paradox
1: okay i can live uh, with that that's fine
0: buzz buzz is dr antennas that hmm. i can't i can't abide
2: wow I just thought it was like something you can get from a meteorite.
0: Yeah, Dr. Andina definitely says it's something that you get from meteorites. So is it like the act of it
1: entering atmosphere?
0: No, it's just it's like a some kind of space substance metal. that doesn't occur on Earth.
1: Okay. So Buzz made his time machine out of a meteorite, a meteor. Yeah. And well, then, like. I'm, I'm just picking. This is just fun. Well, yeah, no, because no, is if is it is a time way, machine...
2: No, no, this is way, way then... more
0: thought than they put into it. Oh, if yeah, but, if it oh, a, yeah.
2: If, then it's, it makes sense. Because you need it to create a time machine.
1: That's true. You would have to have sex <laughs> <It's a time laughs> <machine. laughs> I didn't think about that part of it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, all right. You're just
2: reusing it for a different time yeah. machine.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I don't know, like, the... I do think it's slightly, like, temporarily fun to think about where BuzzBuzz is from. Yeah. Because, like, the fact that he shows, it's presented as a meteorite lands, and BuzzBuzz comes out of it, and even inferring that BuzzBuzz rode that meteorite down from space is going a little past what the game even wants to talk about, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: Because he's from the future and the fact that he's from the future seems like it's not even connected to the fact that he appeared from a meteor, meteorite. Mm-hmm. The game is presented in such vague terms that it's just like unconnected details. Yeah, it kind of feels but, like
2: hand-waving.
0: Yeah. It is fun, though, to think about the meteorite being a time machine. Yeah. Yeah, that's good.
2: A mashup of sci-fi tropes.
0: So we got the... From the future in 10 years where all is devastation. (laughs) I want to remind us of certain details because I think we're on the verge of having a very dumb conversation. Yeah. (laughs) I love dumb conversations. Getting the meteorite piece doesn't free Onet from... Giygas' grip. The sun doesn't come up. I was expecting the sun to come up.
2: It's not that easy.
0: No. And in fact, even after I give the the Zexonite, or the or meteorite piece to Dr. Andonets and he is able to get the Zexonite and make the phase sort of ready to work, I go back to Onet and it's still bad news. Mm. So what? To save my town, I have to win the game?
1: Pretty much, Doctor Andonuts will upgrade the phase disorder to version two, which now acts as a heal and a save thing, which you don't really need. Which is like a weird like we we added these gameplay functions purely for this part that we're gonna do here in a minute to drive the story forward. I guess.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those convenient additions like like getting zombie paper right when you need it
1: yeah and then they start to really stress that you're about to hit a point of no return
0: mm-hmm yes
1: like to the Enough extent to
0: stress you out yeah <laughs> to the extent what
1: to the extent that like you can't button past it the first time like if you talk to dr and and you're like yeah I'm ready he will like force you out of the conversation loop and you have to talk to him again before you can do it yeah that was confusing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you have to be actually ready. And then he kicks yeah. you back out.
1: He's like, I don't believe you're not actually ready. Go save your game yeah. first. <laughs> it's like what the game is kind of telling you or whatever. Yeah. Which is fascinating.
2: Yeah. Definitely makes it feel like you're in the final hours.
0: And it makes you think that something really big and important is going to happen right away. Yeah. But actually, there is a bit of business to attend to before we do that. Yes. Because I say, no, really, I really am ready. I saved to state and everything. Um, How many states, can, states you, can you
1: save on the Switch? I don't know anything about the Switch's functions four. for this. Four? Okay. Yeah.
0: You, uh... You get in the Phase Disorder, and uh, Kit has been explaining how the Phase Disorder can detect the presence of enemies. And it says that there's enemy activity in the Lost Underworld. So, okay, we'll go there. And um, we go into that cave. Do you know what the music is in the cave?
1: Only because I read it.
0: Uh, Sarah, do you know what it is? Is
1: this the the Sergeant
2: Pepper's clip?
0: Uh, is it on Sergeant Pepper's? It's the opening notes to uh, "All You Need Is Love." Oh, okay. I can't remember if it's on Sergeant Pepper's, but um, what the the opening notes to "All You Need Is Love" are the opening notes to the Marseillaise? Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's confusing, and. I didn't notice this until my dad asked me about it because it was like my ringtone for when he (laughs) sent me a text. Uh And he's like, or no, no, that's not why. Um, It was when I I was playing the game and my dad asked me, why is it playing those notes from uh, All You Need Is Love? And I'm Mm. like, what are you talking about? Wow. (laughs) So that's why I said that to his ringtone. Okay. Hmm. Now we know.
1: This game likes the Beatles.
0: It does like the Beatles.
2: Yeah, the the tracks or the songs they use in this area are interesting. They're they're weirdly repetitive and sort of not harmonious and kind of they're kind of good background music but very repetitive and eerie. Yeah,
1: it they're unnerving. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And the fact that that one sounds familiar makes it kind of even more eerie.
0: Yes. That's a good point, it's like,
2: like an echo of something you know.
0: some of these some of the samples are used in a very subtle way, and it's hard to say why there's a sample there instead of just original material. like yeah. why why did she use that sample if I'm not even going to recognize it? But here, I think the effect is very clear as you've you've put the you've put the nail on its head, so to speak. <laughs> it's uncanny mm-hmm. as you're walking through this weird cave the star master appears yeah to really quickly <laughs> let you know that the game is almost over and give Pooh star storm omega
2: yeah he says this is the last power that's how you know it's almost over
0: and then he leaves, and then it says Pooh realized the power of Starstone Omega, like only after the guy is gone. <laughs> That's how much of a rush we're in. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Mister Saturn with the prototype Phase Distorter, which is in ruins, um, is he says he was kidnapped. You can check the r- wreckage of the Phase Distorter and find a Horn of Life. And then, did anything weird happen to people when they checked the broken Phase Distorter? No. No.
2: Just got the Horn of okay.
0: Life. Okay. I got the Horn of Life, and then Zach fixed... Zach. <laughs> Jeff fixed the broken harmonica.
1: Huh. Okay.
0: As if it said, working through the night, he fixed the broken harmonica. This was when I was examining the Whoa. wreckage of the face to start. That
2: is weird.
1: Huh. I mean, that must mean that it <laughs> does... I, I imagine if you used the regular phase disorder, you also have a chance of procking that. But it's weird guess... that the game knows that that's still a phase disorder? That's wild. Yeah, did you spend now the night
0: to... in there? No. Well, <laughs> my guess was that it was somehow triggered by getting healed by the Star Master because he oh. like shows up and you get a little heal noise. Hmm. And so that, like, cached a night sleep thing that was only triggered when I examined something, which doesn't really make sense. Mm. Like, I don't... (laughs) None of these explanations are totally satisfactory to me.
1: That's weird. But I'm sure
0: someone who actually knows how the game works. Yeah,
2: that makes your journey even weirder.
0: It's so strange.
1: Jeff realized the power of repairing the broken... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Good job.
0: He can re- now I want to have the day. There when we got here earlier on, we t- were able to see this cave from that little peninsula outlook uh, that's accessible from the Lost Underworld. Um there, There's something strange going on here that we passed over and that I want to investigate briefly if possible. Why does why is there that place in the lost underworld where you can see into this cave what purpose does that
2: wondering serve? that too I, mean, I
0: have an idea I wrote a blog post I, about this a long I, time I can't
2: ago. help but wonder if it was something before that got cut
0: okay Zach do you have any ideas
1: I think that like I, I, I don't even I hesitate to call it foreshadowing but like showing it ahead of time yeah. If if you told the player they have to... This last part, you know, we know the enemy is somewhere. If it had just been, the enemy's in the Cave of the Past. We don't know where that is. Mm-hmm. But if yeah, it's, yeah. we know where the Lost Underworld is. So it's in the Lost Underworld. and. But we still want to put it in this location that's going to be the final dungeon. So we need oh. to show the player where that's at. So you know where you're at in the world.
2: Okay, that just that's
0: basically my conclusion, yeah. too.
2: Otherwise you would think you were in some space you've never been before.
0: Yeah. You would be in some space you've never been before. Uh, Having that little bit of connective tissue contextualizes this whole cave and establishes that, like, your your journey in this last part of the game was, like, to go into the depths of Africa and then to underneath Africa and then to the center of the earth. And Mm -hmm. you're getting deeper and deeper and deeper into earth. And I think that... By setting it up this way, they're able to establish the final dungeon as being way down in the bottom of the bottom of the earth.
2: Hmm.
0: Uh, And it's just they wanted to they need that spatial continuity to create that effect. Makes sense. Thank you. I think so, too.
1: When we walk around, a lot of this section is walking in the right directions and talking to people to enable Mm -hmm. what's essentially like a long cutscene. yes you you can walk up to the top of the cave or like as far up as you can go and there's another silver hair which is kind of akin to the one Mm -hmm. that we saw in magicant though it's not the same
0: yeah and we i was wrong when we were talking about the hairs before because um there is so there is this hair here yes but um me and Jason were remembering it as you touch this hair to move to somewhere else. And you don't. The hair no. serves no yeah. purpose other than being like, yeah, this really is the same place.
1: Yeah, weird. This cave is really creepy, too, because it's like a bunch of platforms above nothing. Yeah, yeah
0: we have a bottomless pit.
1: It's not meant to be tunnels like a lot of the caves we've been in. This is just some massive chamber.
0: I wonder if I look at the map really quick, the game doesn't use bottomless pit very much, does it? Um,
1: no, not really. I'm like running but, through um, caves in my mind.
0: The that one room in the Stonehenge base, there are some parts of Stonehenge base that look like they they basically qualify as bottomless. Um, but other than that, I think everywhere is has walls. And this is the only place where it just there's just a void underneath you. I'm not seeing anything else, yep yeah.
1: <laughs> well, if you wander up to the hair and then wander back uh a phase disorder warps in, and Dr. Andonut's Apple kid and I think another Saturn, yeah pop out because they while you were gone completed the
0: phase disorder three
2: this is getting really confusing
0: yes i kind of thought that that was the first or the phase disorder i arrived in that had been uh time travel shenanigans had two of it showing up in the same place i thought so too i don't think that's the implication
1: no
2: because they seem to be from the same time period
1: yeah they just completed it really fast
2: yeah or you've been walking around in here for a long time
1: Yeah. (laughs) And so we get a bunch of lore that I should probably find the text for. Uh.
0: The phase disorder has been completed. We could finish it quickly because of Mr. Saturn's incredible scientific skill. Gygus is attacking from our exact location but he is attacking from many years in the past. This is very hard for me to tell you but in order to defeat Gygus who is attacking from the past you must warp to the past. This can be done by way of the Phase Disorder 3. However, the machine cannot warp living things. I mean, life forms. Life is demolished in the process of warping. And that's what's engraved on all of my iPads. Life is demolished in the process of warping. (laughs) The only way to accomplish the time travel is to transfer your brain program into a robot and send the robot to the past. The transfer means that your spirit will go with the robot while your body is left behind. I cannot promise that your spirit will come back after the battle in the past. Yet, you must understand that the four of you are the chosen ones. Do you still wish to face Gygus by traveling to the past? No. Yes, it's natural to feel as you do. The only thing left is the destru- destruction of our planet. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, um. <laughs> you know what? I don't know how the... Like, how does that, I guess you have to talk to him again and he gives you the whole speech I again? Think you get I the think the whole speech
1: so. again. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I definitely said no uh,
1: this time. The one thing he that. He
0: says you, oh, yeah. Oh, the one I don't thing, think there's anything else to get into. Uh,
1: the This section is another one where we have to, like, talk to the right people in the right order because Dr. Andonuts has to, like, walk away.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. to the
1: north. In, like, fear of w- not wanting to tell cliff. you about the things you're going to have to do to beat this game.
0: He has to have his Jack Donaghy moment <sighs> and stare into the distance while pondering the implications of his actions. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot it's very of, like... Dramatic. It ends up feeling... How do I describe it? It's cool that this is, like, a... This is a interesting cutscene to do in this game. Where you have to be like participatory in it yeah and the game doesn't have a lot of way of expressing that so you kind of have to fumble your way through it in a way that feels
0: real and that contributes to the pacing yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah 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 yeah.
0: you can't have like if you have a cut scene where people are just being silent and pensive for a while Then you kind of take the player out of it or you make the player resent the cutscene because it's like, why is just Mm. uh, let me do something during this, but that would ruin the mood. Um, So what you can do is enforce those dramatic pauses as gameplay that you actually have to walk through and then you get the pacing you want. You have Mm. the moment of drama uh, without uh, holding the player's feet down.
2: This game has so much to teach us. About storytelling.
0: Dr. Andanet says the word past five times in that speech. <laughs> yeah. They do not want you to misunderstand. You are going to go back in time. Yeah. And possibly, uh, I-, I was talking about the moon on that other episode, and how going to the center of the Earth is like the moon of Earthbound. Possibly although we are still at the center of the earth, you can make a case that the past is the moon as well. Mm-hmm. Like what's the ultimate place you can go? The past. So, There's a lot going on here. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. Why do, Why did they decide to make you robots? And just like stepping back a little bit. Sure. Uh, did they just want to have a robot segment and this is where it fit? Um. I mean, I personally think it's kind of, uh, it, it's sort of extraneous to, like, it did not have to be robots.
0: <laughs> Why robots? It didn't. No. Um, you know, Zach was, uh, like, Zach made this this case that he's not doing much of a job of uh, following through on. Okay. That... Uh, he would force us in this episode to discuss how time travel works in Earthbound. We're gonna get there. Mm-hmm. I was.
1: We have a lot of more well, pressing
0: issues than
1: the time we travel. We do.
0: But I find <laughs> I ha- that I, I need material. to burn a story. I have material too, and I I find that this is a better place to use this story. Okay, let's go. Than in this later conversation, which might be this conversation. <laughs> I had a roommate in college. Um who was like, at least in his own mind, a pretty cool nerd guy. And his main aspiration was to write fantasy literature. And we were watching, it might have been one of the Back to the Future sequels, or it was something with time travel. And we got to this point where something a little bit, um, something happened that he took issue with. He said, like, didn't that guy not have that before he went back? Or like, doesn't that mean that this thing comes from itself and there's no original whatever? And I said, yeah, I think that's what's going on. And he said, doesn't that kind of violate the rules of time travel? Hmm. And I tried to explain and probably was not totally as successful that time travel not being real the rules are whatever the author says they mm. are, and nothing actually has to make sense. Or like, you're there isn't a big book that all time travel narratives have to follow all the rules in that book. You just make it up.
2: That's the beauty of time travel.
0: And so the, you're right. The fact that you that life forms cannot be traveled through time. Is something that they deliberately made up. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for we can't just appeal to. Well, that's the rules of time yeah.
1: Not only is it rules that it made up, but it's rules that it doesn't follow because we're gonna meet Pokey in ah. the flesh back, hey. back then too. So maybe
2: he's just a hyper realistic robot. Uh,
1: I guess, but like. Even then, it's it's the phase disorder three is only able to do this if we do this robot thing, and that this all to me feels in service of having the moment at the ending we're going to get to next episode where we travel back, like they wanted that tension, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So that there's this ten- there's moment of tension after the final battle, where you you you've won, but have you won? And like we'll see, I guess next episode. <laughs> if, if we if we succeed uh it just feels um, like they wanted that extra beat but it being robots like sarah was saying is not Why why they pick robots necessary or obvious why did yeah. they yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> i just always wonder that
0: the it's it, i don't think this is the answer but mother 3 is so concerned with the like the position of humanity and the natural world as um opposed to but also interlinked with technology
2: mm.
0: that this you can see this moment as uh foreshadowing the themes of mother three and like those clearly are just things that Itoy likes to think yeah. about. Yeah. But I don't know if that's enough to say, well, Itoy likes to think about people's relationship to t- mm-hmm. technology. So he decided that you should be robots. Yeah.
2: Um. I mean, I guess it could have to do with a, like a theme of like, you're giving up your humanity. Like that's why this is such a big moment. You have to agree to do this yourself on your own. You have to agree to make the sacrifice. Whereas if it was just like, yes. you're going to go back in the past and you might not make it back. That's sort of a different kind of sacrifice, maybe. I mean, I, you're I'm, right; I'm, I'm it stretching. adds drama
0: to this moment as well as mm-hmm. the moment later on. Mm-hmm.
2: It's like a transformation. I,
0: I kind of wonder if it might be informed somewhat by, um, like, if the the final dungeon, if they played through that as just the normal sprites, maybe they thought these like candy colored kids mm. walking through this scary moonscape is not scary enough hmm. if only there was some way to depict them in black and white or something that's yeah. true
1: that could just be an entirely just a visual thing they wanted yeah. to accomplish i've got a piece of art on my wall i say looking around it's not in this room but it's of like that final part of the cave of the past mm. that we're going to be seeing next episode and it's very cool it's all silvery and scary mm uh yeah man and
2: and you have to give up your red cap but only for a moment
0: i have to give up my red cap so that a robot that's programmed to act like me can wear my red cap Mm -hmm. and has the
1: same stats as me because Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes it was engineered to have your strength Uh. and your guts
0: uh, all those stats are part of your immortal soul. The Apparently. consciousness that they can upload into <laughs> a robot. So the soul exists in Earthbound. That's the thing. What wow. do, what's the language uh, Andonuts uses?
1: He um, says, uh, I'm going to transfer your brain program into a yeah, robot. Okay. it will. Tr- uh, this transfer means that your spirit will go with the robot while your body
0: is left behind. So brain program and spirit are the same thing. Yes, apparently. Hmm. Um, Dr. Andonuts isn't one of these scientist characters who refuses to acknowledge anything supernatural or religious or mystical. Because he is just as happy to say brain program as he is to say spirit. And (laughs) he is happy to insist that you are the chosen ones. Yeah. He believes in destiny. So he's a very open-minded genius
1: there's like a, a old episode I think it's Outer Limits where there's like a scientist who keeps killing people because he keeps trying to like find the soul within the body mm. and he finds it and it's like a soul like organ hmm. oh or something he like that it. he <laughs> finds it yeah but then he like you know he'd been killing people so he gets in trouble or mm-hmm. whatever I
0: forget how it goes but that reminds me of this <laughs> But yeah, it's weird. Probably at the end, they do an autopsy on him and they notice that he's missing that organ. I, that might be exactly the twist. I think you're right.
1: I could uh, write this show. <laughs> Television, it's so easy. <laughs> um. So, Zach, do you want to nice. ask how time travel works? Oh, so the time travel stuff was just a follow-up because on a previous episode, Ryan... D- we all kind of had a discussion about it, and then Ryan went on a soliloquy in the editing room. Oh, uh, yeah. Kind of like rebuffing what we had talked about, and then kind of asking a broad, open ended question that ended with Hey, Zach, uh, write this down and come back to this. So I, didn't oh, have... yeah.
0: I did Oh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Because. Well, what, what was my point in that soliloquy? So what
1: we had was. The initial thing that started the whole conversation was that you were, you were comparing the way that time travel is utilized in the video game Earthbound with the way that it is utilized in the video game Chrono Trigger. Specifically because in Chrono Trigger, the protagonists start instigating time travel. They're the ones that invent time travel and then start using time travel as a way to subvert destiny which yes. destiny in this case means defeating lavos um whereas in earthbound it's from from what we were talking about it's the uh, the inverse where destiny has it that ness and everybody will win ultimately and it is the antagonist here it is gyges who is doing the time travel to try and interfere and subvert destiny and ultimately fails so that's where we but... started
0: <laughs> um it's it, but that that was based on the um the a uh, little bit of the player's guide the japanese player's guide the apple of the guy gets yeah guy yeah. mm-hmm. gets says okay well then i'm going to travel back in time and defeat your prediction undo your prediction and i after thinking about that uh little bit of extra material enough I realize that it doesn't make sense because it, it, it can't possibly take place <laughs> basically time timeline wise, there's no place that it can exist in the timeline. So it's just some, you know, intern writing up something in a player's guide not thinking too hard <laughs> about it. In the text of the game, I don't think it's established that Gygus travels in time. I gotta roll this around in my head for a second, so bear with me. It's, it's complicated because we know that BuzzBuzz Buzz comes from 10 years in the future. Yes. Starman Jr. comes from 10 years in the future to come after BuzzBuzz. Buzz. Yes. We know that uh, Giygas is attacking from the past.
1: Mm.
0: Now, does that mean Giygas is not physically present, present in 1990X?
1: I... The, I wrote out a rough timeline as I saw it. Though okay. you pointed out you, you pointing it out again just now about the fact that what we're going on is just material from the player's guide about the Apple of Enlightenment. Um, throws, some, throws a wrench in that. Where in my mind, Gaigas is 10 years in the future. And then gets that prediction from the Apple of Enlightenment. And then Buzz Buzz is the one that instigates the time traveling here. And then ultimately, Gygus would have to time travel back to try and outdo Buzz, outflank Buzz Buzz on the time travel front. The if we use the uh, stuff from the player's guide, the interpretation I landed on is that we have kind of a Terminator situation where okay. the broad terminator films as i understand it are mostly just about various groups trying to out time travel each other to get the outcome that they want okay and that's what i had come to the conclusion here because we know that buzz time traveled and him time traveling is what sets all of these events in motion now these events are ones that were foretold you know, in a prediction, in a in a prophecy. So,
0: I, I don't know where to go with that. I guess the problem I have with uh, the prophecy that Buzzbuns talks about, as well as the prophecy that the Apple of Enlightenment has in the player's guide, which aren't necessarily the same prophecy, but right. we can treat them as they are, if or if we want, uh, is that these are both prophecies apparently about stuff taking place in the past. The Apple of Enlightenment. Tells I guess point blank that these kids are going to fight you in nineteen ninety X, and if I just I can't I can't make sense of um, these guys in two thousand X saying, "Oh well, a kid is going to defeat you in the previous century, but if you go back in time, he might defeat you, or you he might not." So let's think of it then. So I
1: hadn't really put much thought in the fact that maybe Gaius is just permanently in the past. But does this all work? Is this all does this all work out cogently if Gaius never
0: time travels? Let's let's say Gaius exists in like 65 million BC okay. or whatever. Um and he he never has seen the future. Okay. 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 The Apple of Enlightenment must be back there with him. Okay. The Apple of Enlightenment can make a prediction about what will happen in the future because it is the future. Gygus is in the Garden of yet. Eden. <laughs> exactly. And so he can, he can see in the future, the, these kids are going to defeat me in 1990X. Uh-oh, I'd better send some guys to 1990X to ruin everything. Um... Now, this doesn't explain anything about coming from the 10 years in the future, unless you say that Gygus attacking people in the future is uh, what set everything into motion. Okay. Then in 2000X, uh, all is devastation, so Buzz BuzzBuzz... He travels
1: back in time and says, you're John Connor, you're going to save the day someday, and that sets everything correct.
0: I guess Hmm. but like in that case buzz buzz is traveling back in time to ensure the uh the fulfillment of a prophecy that from his perspective was supposed to be fulfilled in the past and wasn't yeah I can jive with this this works okay Okay, well, then I have to, like, look at that whole thing again, and then I have to <laughs> wonder, like, okay, so who is trying to change Destiny? It's still Gigas. It's still Gigas, yeah. but also it's BuzzBuzz, Buzz, I think. I yeah. think reg- regardless well, of... Well, Buzz BuzzBuzz is on the side of Destiny trying to restore yeah. what Destiny says should happen.
2: Yeah. But maybe it's just a matter of perspective, really. I mean, like maybe Gigas thinks he's the one who's restoring what should have happened
0: um I don't I don't think the game treats it that way yeah I think that the game has an idea of what destiny is and although I don't think it presents that idea consistently I think that uh, it's it's not a matter of perspective it's a matter of whether you agree with destiny or not.
2: Mm. But it's strange that destiny can be changed.
0: It is. And that's what I think is inconsistent about it. That's what I think is like, like how meaningful is your discussion of the idea of destiny? If it's something that you can change
2: that you
0: can fulfill or not. Um, If destiny is a real thing, then you can't do anything about it. And Like the fact that Earthbound keeps telling you that it's your destiny to win, kind of diminishes the drama of the game because you're just you're finding out what you've been told all along, which is that you're great. (laughs) In even in Chrono Trigger, like the the idea of struggling against destiny is obviously much more dramatically viable, but if it turns out that you were able to you know, change the future and not... You changed your destiny or you changed how things were going to figure out, then it wasn't really destiny in the first place. Yeah, Chrono Trigger... It's a very strange definition of destiny.
1: Yes? Has weird considerations. I, I didn't get a chance to, like, spend a week on Chrono Compendium like I wanted to, but there's a couple considerations to bring up with Chrono Trigger. One is that in that game, Lavos exists in some weird temporal bubble... Because, like, regardless of what what era you go fight him, you would do the same fight, and then his death affects time, like, equally Hmm. in all eras all at once because of the weird, like, metaphysical nature of his deal. And then him dying causes the entire universe to change all at once, which creates, like, a whole new set of circumstances that lead to the sequel mm. but it's like one linchpin regardless of what time you get at it causes to when is, you when you pluck that out of there the whole thing unravels and now you have an entirely new destiny
0: is Earth. that not functionally identical to um like facing lavos transports you to the beginning of time it could be yeah okay
1: um the other thing with kernel trigger is is that there is some kind of weird, mysterious player entity that exists in that narrative that the characters will talk about hmm. um, about like, hey, it feels like there is some other force that's kind of helping us that manifests at a couple different times in the game. Um, I think it's what causes you to be able to rescue. <laughs> I got really scared about yeah, 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 we all know. for a second. <laughs>
0: don't worry about it
1: boy i got really scared about that I, I, like <laughs>
0: you don't have to spoil it we all know what you're talking about
1: <laughs> but like that and then at the beginning of the game when Marl is like temporarily time paradoxed out of existence the game or at least like i remember people bringing up stuff about how like that doesn't make sense in the way that the game does its own time travel logic. And, like, we understand that time travel can be anything. We talked about that. Like, you can do whatever you want, but it ends up being this very glaringly, like, inconsistent thing that makes people go, like, well, was that somebody, some mysterious force at the very beginning of the adventure causing the adventure to happen Mm. in Mm. in some oblique way? Which makes me think of BuzzBuzz, where, to bring it back to Earthbound, I think BuzzBuzz is kind of that force in the story here. That is helping set the events in motion for whatever. It's interesting
0: reason. that the Chrono Trigger version of this gets phrased as the player force because it seems more like the the author force, the designer force deciding to suspend the rules of time travel in order to make yeah. the story work.
1: And I don't know that it's necessarily the player, I just know that's like one way to look at it because it's okay. the the characters talk about some kind of horse and my i immediately go to okay that's meant to symbolize the player but not necessarily so Hmm. that's not that's not the game saying that that's me saying that okay anyway i still think that the ryan your previous analysis does bear out but i also like looking at this stuff regardless of which way it goes i think buzz buzz ends up being very important uh, I think that—oh, the one other thing you asked me to look at—to to bring up right now is that uh, who all time travels in this video game. We should enumerate that if we haven't done that.
0: Yes. So, I, I don't think it's obvious, or I don't think it's unambiguous that but, uh, that Giygas does time travel. You think that I think he, he does? No, no. I think it's—I I think he— my honest opinion is I don't think he does. Okay, but okay. I think that it's it's ambiguous that, like, you could make a case that he does, but I don't know what that case would be. Gotcha. Gaiga seems to be kind of in a kind of a Lavos state. Yeah. Where hmm. he's there at the, like, beginning or whatever, like, whatever the past is. He's there in the past and his presence, um, Extends arbitrarily into the future, but not necessarily. Like his influence extends into the future, but if he's attacking from the past, see, when if if the question is how does time travel work in Earthbound, I think the answer is it works in a cartoony, non-logical way. (laughs) Yeah, I think that it treats the past as like a place. And Gygus isn't in 1990X because he's in the past. And traveling back and forth in time doesn't have the causal effects you might expect. Because the past and the present and the future are not causally related. They're just different parts of the map. Mm. Anyway, Buzz Buzz time travels. Starman Jr. time travels. It's oh, like it's him, implied right? that like other Starman adjacent people time traveled in the same way Starman Junior is, but that's not a sure thing. Pokey time travels, robots time travel.
1: That's it.
2: So Buzz well. doesn't have a living spirit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what we might have missed was. Uh, when BuzzBuzz Buzz gets smacked by Larpna and dies, we don't see his soul fly off to mm. the future to go back into Apple Kid's body.
1: Well, well, he wasn't strong enough. Well, I guess we'll get to that. Oh. <laughs> um, I think that's all I have for
0: time travel stuff.
2: Back to the well, present. Well, you know what? <laughs> I, I
0: wait. Wait, before we do that, I just realized that what I said about the the soul flying out of the robot at the end, that is an act of that's, again, treating time travel as spatial travel. Mm -hmm. The You're not like going to the the those those little motes of light are going straight from the past to Saturn Valley as if it were just different places on the same map
1: i guess you could tie that into one of the central themes of the game which is just transportation i was thinking about hmm. as we were talking about it, the phase yeah. disorder as like the final transportation
2: yeah
0: where if it's a road trip then this is the ultimate road trip yeah into the most alien place
1: death <laughs>